With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Cheryl Smith writing and rewriting history. First ever national title for Texas Tech. Jonathan Garibay, the boot is away. And it's gone. Welcome all, welcome all to the Tortillas and Takes podcast. You are on once again with your boy, I'll be sure. And happy days, happy days, happy days are here again. Texas Tech with a nice, convincing win over the bowl-eligible Kansas Jayhawks. Um, and to talk about Texas Tech football's win over Kansas, I brought on the producer extraordinaire himself, Dylan Smythe. What's up, Dill? Albert, I'm just going to get this out of the way now. I've never been more happy to be wrong about Tyler Shuck. We kind of wrote him off last week. We're going to eat our crow in this podcast. Tyler Shuck looked good and led the Red Raiders to a dub over a, a solid Kansas team, obviously operating with their backup quarterback, but nevertheless, a very good Kansas team. So let's talk about quarterbacks. Let's talk about quarterbacks first and foremost. So what Dylan's talking about, if you listen to our recap pod last week, we at the end of it, we talked about how we don't didn't want to see Tyler Shuck ever again. We said, and mind you, Dylan and I are have been on the Tyler Shuck bandwagon all year. Actually, since last year, we've said he is our best quarterback all the way up until last week, where we said we never want to see Tyler Shuck again. Right as the quarterback, he just looked like a shell of himself. All right, but a different one thing. If you remember, Dylan, one thing I did say was, who knows. Maybe a full week he comes back to the Tyler Shuck we all know and love, but I doubt it. Is what I said. Well, a full week he did come back to the Tyler Shuck we all know and love. What did you think? This was the closest version of Tyler Shuck that we saw at Texas Tech that we saw at Oregon. Like the the Tyler Shuck we saw at Oregon was the Tyler Shuck we got against Kansas. Um you know, a lot of people thought his ability to run was either gone or they just didn't trust his ability to run because he's made of plastic. But the dude was running in this game and actually led the uh, the Red Raiders in rushing when we had a really, really good ground attack going all night long. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he just gets a ton of credit. He didn't make any, any big mistakes. He made throws when he needed to, and he made runs when he needed to as well. Yeah, so Tyler Shuck's ability to run. So I, it's funny because during the game, I was like, Lord Jesus, please just protect yourself. Like, slide. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Stop leading. But I will say you are right about this thing. Last week when he was playing, he looked slow. He looked like a typical six foot five wide guy that kind of moves side to side like Peyton Manning running. Right? I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. You brought up the point that at Oregon, he was a more athletic quarterback. Um, and again, this this game against Kansas, he kind of turned it back. He looked agile. He looked quick. He looked and he looked speedy. And so this was this was the Tyler Shuck that I remember last year against the U of H. This is the Tyler Shuck we saw a couple series against Murray State. This is the Shuck that we all thought we would be getting, or at least you and I thought we'd be getting this year. And so 
it was great to see him in this game. It was great to see what he could do from the very beginning, right? First drive, we saw Tyler Shuck and what he could do in this game, and it was uh, it was pretty incredible to see. Yeah, so we're wrong. The moral of the story. Yeah. We don't know what we're talking about. We're, we are idiots. Uh, <laughs> Tyler Shuck is indeed a good quarterback. Or, or because we all know Tyler Shuck listens to this pod, right? Big fan of the pod, obviously. Um, and Tyler Shuck was just like, I'll show you guys. I lost my two biggest supporters. All right, <laughs> I'll show you. And he went out and showed us. He he was absolutely great. The zip on the ball. Listen, last two weeks that he's played, um, both last week against TCU and the week before against Baylor, there was zero zip on the ball whatsoever. Like the, the ball floated almost every time he threw it. This game, the, the the zip on the ball was fantastic. Absolute bullets across the field. Um, nice float, nice, nice lofty balls down the field. But when he had to drill it in there, he drilled it in there. Now People came at me on the on when I made that tweet yesterday. As far as uh, um, the wide receiver screens can still be better tuned up, sure, sure. The the three wide receiver screens we had out to the flats, sure, could be better. However, the high majority of balls down the field, I loved. I absolutely loved them. Um, this was great. So flip side to Kansas's quarterback situation. So we thought that coming into this game, Jalen Daniels might have been healthy. We said we thought, well, you know, maybe he gets a tune-up before Texas. Will he play in this game? Well, we found out the morning of that no, they're going to keep him still for another week, protect his his shoulder, and Jason Bean once again was going to be the quarterback. But one thing I'll say here, Dylan, though, is Jason Bean played a hell of a game, right? Like this, he, I know he's technically the backup, but he didn't play like a backup. He played a fantastic game in this one. What do you think about Bean? Yeah, again, he didn't play like a backup because originally he wasn't, right? He was the starter over Jalen Daniels a year ago, or I guess not over Jalen Daniels, but he was the starter for Kansas a year ago. The dude has uh, a lot of experience, and yeah, he made some big throws when he needed to. Outside of um, the interception to Kozai Eldridge, he he played an almost perfect game, like really good, Uh, used his legs when he needed to, but just really, like I don't know, efficient. Maybe is the word just like got it done when he needed to on offense. Didn't really like blow us away or anything, but yeah, he he had a really good game. Well, I think he had such a good game that I really don't think it would have made much of a difference if Jalen Daniels was the quarterback, right? Like that's the thing is is that he used his legs and his arms so efficiently in such a way that I don't know what more. Jalen Daniels would have done to really turn the tide, right? They they scored 28 points in this game. They were still effective as the game went on. Um, Jason Bean played very well. Devin Neal ran for 190 yards. I, I went on the Blue Wings Rising podcast last week to talk about it, and, and I said, Kansas' best shot is going to be to run the ball against Tech, right? Our run defense, it's been better than last year at times, but it still hasn't been great. Um, and, and sure enough, uh, just as much as, you know, Chuck listens to our pod, Lance Leipold must listen to the Blue Wings Rising pod, so that's my bad because that's what they did. They ran it 24 times. Devin Neal, Devin Neal um, had a meal as he was eating up at eight yards of carry uh, throughout the game. He was he was incredible. And that big 63-yard run, hella impressive. Hella impressive from Devin Neal. Um, I, I have no other words to say about those two. Both Jason Bean and Devin Neal had themselves a day for Kansas. And and for Texas Tech's defense, it was hard to, it was hard to hold them, but they still did a pretty bang-up job. Nobody could tackle Devin Neal. I mean, the guy just, it took three or four guys to bring him down. If, if it was just one-on-one on the edge, you know, maybe a corner, a linebacker, forget about it. Devin Neal was breaking that tackle, and he was going for more. Yeah, he was he was pretty good. Yeah, and so fun. I'll say this. 
the receiving yards, I, and so one thing about the passing yards, passing game in this one. So Jason Bean was efficient. You are right about that, Dylan. Had 270 yards on the game. Um, for the receivers, Lawrence Arnold also had a pretty good game where he had 110 yards. However, a lot of those yardage are really packed up in two plays, right? One pass from Bean to Arnold that went for 60, and one pass from Bean to Casey that went for 66, right? So of the 270, 106 yards are in those two plays. I thought overall the secondary actually played really well in the passing game. Not because Bean couldn't get it out, but because the receivers were covered, right? I thought the secondary did a really good job of that. I thought the D-line did a really good job of putting pressure on Jason Bean and forcing him into trying to make some magic happen, which sometimes magic did happen because Bean played a hell of a game, but a lot of times it didn't. Yeah, I think the the pressure the pressure on Bean really bothered him. Uh, Josiah Pierre had two sacks and two tackles for loss in this game. He he was all over the place. Um, Krishan Merriweather again leads leads the team in tackles. So yeah, the defense was doing its thing, and and this secondary continues to impress. I think this is probably I I don't know I, I'm I'm scared to put a date on it, but this is the best secondary Tech has had in years in years since this 2010. Been really good. Okay. Or, or sorry, I said, I said, no, oh nine. Sorry, it says oh nine. This is the best secondary since oh nine. I've been saying it all year. Um, yeah, no, this is the Jamar Wall secondary. This is the best one. It's a secondary that would make Ruffin McNeil proud, right? And I'm very like they, they've been great. They've been awesome. And uh, sure enough, like you mentioned earlier, um, though it wasn't necessarily somebody from the secondary getting it, uh, that interception from Kosai Eldridge was huge. It was it was an absolutely big game changer. So. Um, Let's let's kind of walk through the game a little bit, right? So we're kind of talking about the high-level view of the game. Let's walk through the game and where it, where it kind of kicked off there. Uh, right from the gate, Texas Tech touchdown to put, a, put us up 7-0. But then Kansas comes back with her own touchdown off of a fourth and one to Jared Casey. That big 60-yard touchdown pass um, was great. It was tied up uh, at 7-7. But Texas Tech starts getting the ball rolling there in the first quarter. Um, and back-to-back, decent drives, putting up 10 more points on the board. It's looking like Texas Tech is indeed the better team, up 17-7. to And to, and then getting up even – or, sorry, up 17-7. to We're rolling. We look like we're in the mood. Then we get to 24-7. to And it's it's at that point, man, we, we are huffing and going. It looks like it's going to be a nice, easy ride. But Kansas – that's right before Kansas starts to make their comeback. So where Texas Tech's up 24 to 7, how are you feeling as a fan? It's interesting. Uh, ESPN has it wrong. Sorry, I was looking at it. ESPN has eight points for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> so, yes, 24 to 7. We're feeling good. I remember in the chat, everyone said, oh, this is nice. This is a stress-free game. This is so great. Like, we haven't had this in a hot minute. And, you know, Tyler Shuck is doing his thing. He's really efficient. Texas Tech is running the ball. Like, the this offense is humming at this point of the game. And the defense is, had given up, like, next to nothing. So, outside of, of one one big drive. But, yeah, I think they did they turn, turn them over on downs to get to this point, like the defense was playing great. Defense was playing good and all was well in Raiderland until Kansas makes a run in the second quarter, back-to-back touchdown passes, and now it goes from 24-7 to 24-21. And it's it's starting to look not so happy. Maybe it's not as stress-free as they come back. Jerry Bean starts showing some of that magic. Um, but Texas Tech... Has a play where we're going down into the line to it's fourth and two, and a Todd Brooks run gets absolutely blown up on fourth and two. 
Kansas gets the ball back. It looks like they're about to score, possibly take the lead going into halftime. At the very least at that moment, you're thinking they're going to tie it up. And that's where the Kosai Eldridge interception happens. We get the ball back. And I and what I think is probably the decision of the game. I don't know if it's a play of the game, but the decision of the game was the first play from the turnover, the pass to Trey Cleveland down the sideline, 35 yards, only 13 seconds to go, leading to the field goal. What do you think about that decision? Uh, well, leading up to the decision, you, you talk about this maybe being the play of the game, but I, I think it was. I think this ended up being a 10-point swing. I think Kansas was going to score if Kozai Eldridge doesn't pick off that ball, and then it results in a Treywell field goal. So I kind of saw that as like a 10-point swing, which in this stage of the game was very pivotal. And then obviously, yeah, the, the, the call to punch it in uh, was, was fantastic. Um, you, you love to see that. Yeah, I mean, to be honest – 99% of the coaches in college football take a knee or take, just do a simple run play and around the clock out. Like 99%. Like I, I know that Joey McGuire comes from the uh, Dave Aranda school of aggressiveness, but Dave Aranda's not keep throwing the pass there. He's, he's kneeling it in or he's run, doing a simple run play. I think Joey McGuire might be the only coach in the country that decides, you know what, 13 seconds, that's enough time to get one more play in. Right. And so that very impressive. And, and, and who knows what the decision was to go for, because you come out there and maybe it's a, hey, if you see man coverage, go for it. Because sure enough, and they were t- and, and the announcers were struggling in this game, but they did bring out one point. Ryan Lee brought up one point where he said, why the hell is Kansas a man in this situation? You go, you back up and go zone. They have to go like 60, like they have to go 40 yards to even get close to field goal range. Just back it up. Nothing in front. But they went man. And so it was one-on-one to Trey Cleveland on the outside. Trey Cleveland has struggled getting separation in this year, but one thing he hasn't struggled with is making a catch. And he, he made a catch in this game, big one, 35 yards down the field. And just like that, Trey Wolf was able to tie his career long of 51 yards. Um, hell of aggressive play. Oh, and also shout-out to Lance Leipold for calling a timeout and giving Trey Wolf a second chance to see the field goal because he missed the first. So, so it all was a perfect whirlwind, whirlwind for Texas Tech to go up 21-27. Um, at halftime, Kansas gets the ball back after half, and they miss a field goal. Ain't it, ain't it lovely? That's their second missed field goal of the game. Tech gets the ball. We score. Right, an awful two-point conversion. We're not going to talk about that one. But we score. It's 33-21. And though Kansas doesn't end up scoring again to make it 33-28, a little bit more stressful, um, we were able to kind of keep Kansas at arm's length from then on. Right, I think from the entire second half it was game's kind of close, but it's defense time. And defense, though defense showed in the first half, giving up 21 points and then uh, two chances for Kansas to score. Uh, extra, extra extra chances for Kansas to score. In the second half, defense clamped down, defense shut down. They didn't score in the entire sec- third quarter. And for the first time, really, I feel all-conference season, it was Texas Tech that said, hey, we know that you're close here in the second half, but now we're not going to let you score. They only scored one touchdown that whole second <clears throat> half. Yeah, you got to be proud of this team for finishing, right? It's something that was talked about a lot after the last few weeks. Um to give up 21 points in the first half and then not give up a single point in the third and only one touchdown in the fourth is really good. I mean, you look at these drives, of course, there's a missed field goal at the beginning of the second half, but it's it's punt, punt, touchdown, fumble, turnover on downs to end that game. So a lot of credit goes to this defense for closing, closing it out. 
So let me one thing we haven't talked about with the Kosai Elders interception at the end of the first half. Dylan Smythe. Was that an interception? Yeah. It's an interception. I agree with you. You know why I say it's an interception? Because that's what the refs yeah. called. <laughs> I mean, and that's that's what it says Straight in like the that. history that's... books at the end of the day. So <laughs> that's, that's that's right. I you know when I was watching that and and Ryan Leaf was there doing the whole thing and Kansas fans were up in arms because the no the tip of the football hit the ground and this that and the other. Listen, there you cannot don't lie to me and tell me you knew for a fact watching that, that exactly how the ball was because I couldn't tell. It looked like Eldridge had most of his arm underneath it. It looked like maybe the tip of the ball hit the ground, right? I'm not going to say it absolutely didn't, but I'm also not going to say it absolutely did, right? I think that was absolutely a fact of, listen, what do we call? Cool. Whatever we call it is what we're going with because that was I, – I would have actually, if anything, I would have been pissed if they tried to overturn it. I didn't think it was clear cut to where you could overturn it. Um, I think it was just if they had called it incomplete, I'd agree. If they called it interception, I'd agree. So that, that is it's, one thing I wanted to It's an interception. Let the kids play. Exactly, exactly. Now, would we be saying the same thing if we weren't Texas Tech fans? Yeah, I can't, I don't know. But we are Texas Tech fans, so therefore it's an interception. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, oh, so that, that's it. That's the game. Texas Tech wins 43-28. Uh, Two-position win in this game, 15-point win in this game. A game that was nice, comfortable, not a blowout. It wasn't necessarily like West Virginia, but it was a nice, controlled win where Texas Tech was the better team throughout um, and we didn't have that second half collapse. I, people were joking. I put out a stat. Texas Tech up to the, before this game was one and three in the Big Twelve this year. Went the when they had a lead or tied in the fourth quarter, going into the fourth quarter, and well, now we're two and three. So good job, Red Raiders. Uh, offensively, give me. We already talked about Tyler Shuck, but give me some other guys you want to shout out to on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, yeah, you, you, you go to Texas Tech rushing. You go to that category here in the box score, and there's there's a lot to, that jumps out at you. Sir Roderick Thompson almost adring, averaging 10 yards a carry with a touchdown. Uh, Cameron Valdez, oh my goodness. Like, uh, Welcome to college football for Cameron Valdez in this game. He broke out. He got loose for 18 yards, looked just really fast. You see why the coaches are excited about Cameron Valdez. Uh, Xavier White continues to be the best receiver on this team. Um, yeah, those guys. Kozai Eldridge, Xavier once again. White, best, best receiver on if the you, team. I mean, Ooh, statistically. I, I'm not saying he's the most talented, but week in, uh, okay. week out, he is doing nah, the man. most. Say it with your chest. Say it with your Coach, chest. Coach, I want to be a wide receiver. Um, I was... <laughs> I will say this about Cameron Valdez. He came in the game when it was still a game, right? Like, it wasn't a wave the white flag time. So, that's this game was very much a three headed monster at running back. I mean, he wasn't in there in the first half, per se, but the second half, I mean, it was still, I think, his first appearance at the end of the third quarter, the beginning of the fourth. Like, he was very much in it when the game was still a game. Um, and he showed out a little bit, and it was a nice even spread between uh, the three of them. Between so Roderick had seven carries, which I, I think he should have had more, to be honest, but he had seven carries. Valdez had 11, Brooks had 16. Um, all three of them were able to get busy, especially Thompson and Valdez in this game. Uh, so good work, good work by the running backs, especially and then Tyler Shuck, even whether it was a design run or a scramble, either way, good running in this game. Um, you talked about Xavier White. Xavier White has turned into, you know, it's interesting. Miles Price had his injury. Xavier White filled in nicely, and they're just keep going to our slots, our inside receivers. Xavier White, Miles Price, Nehemiah Mart- Star Tinez 
all three of them have absolutely done wonders this year. Our outside receivers still need a little work, right? There's inconsistency when it comes to Cleveland and Fungi and, and Bradley, and I would like that be short up a little bit. We're, we're not used to outside receivers at Texas Tech needing a little bit more work there, but I thought Fungi, the Fungi had that big drop at the back of the end zone outside of that drop. Played a pretty decent game. Uh, Cleveland had that one big, huge catch at the end of the first half. Uh, but the inside receivers have been fantastic. And, and seeing Xavier White step up in Miles Price's ab- absence, and now that Miles Price is back, coaching staff's like, nah, man, White, you've 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 had it so far. Why are we going to take you out now? Um, so so Price, White, and Startinez, all three of them doing a really good job in this game and going forward. So defensively, Dylan, give me your shout-outs. Defensively, I, I can't tell who the most improved player is on this defense because it's Kozai Eldridge or Josiah Pierre. You could pick either of them, and I'd be happy about it. Uh, Josiah Pierre, I think I mentioned earlier, two sacks, two tackles for losses. Uh, just just played really good and, and pressured the quarterback well after Tyree Wilson went out. Um, Kozai Eldridge, again, week after week after week. This is, the, I think, the fourth week in a row he's played a really good game. So those two guys can continue to impress. Yeah, no, I mean, Kozai Eldridge was fantastic in this one. He was great. Decided Pierre, like you said, he's been really good as far as being that stand-up pass rusher off the edge. Had two sacks in this game. He was incredible. Muddy Waters, listen, Muddy Waters was getting held all game. Like, Muddy Waters was getting held all game. And the stat sheet is not going to say much, but he was fighting, fighting, fighting until he finally got that second half sack that he was wanting so bad. Uh, he played good. Uh, the Rabbit, Dajun Taylor Demison in the backfield had three pass deflections in this game. Uh, he was also fantastic. I mean, Krishan Merriweather is Krishan Merriweather. Like, uh, do we got to tell you that he had near double digit tackles and was a beast all over the field? And he was, he's massive. Probably not. Um, I do want to talk about the elephant in the room, Dylan. Uh, there's one guy we did not, we have not talked about. Uh, there's one guy that if you look at the box score, you're going to see his name a lot lower than you normally would in this game. Uh, and that is the one that only Tyree Wilson. So Tyree Wilson in the second half, um, or it might've been in the first half, but Tyree Wilson in the third quarter, sorry, got hit low. And from there, had a leg injury. He laid on the ground a little bit. They then he popped up, started hobbled and ran to the on one leg, ran to the sideline faster than any of us listening to this podcast could possibly run, because he is a freak of nature. But um, I didn't think anything of it at the time, Dylan. I thought, okay, well, you know, probably just had a little tweak of tweak of something. He'll, you know, be good to go. They'll massage it out and call it a day. Um, then before you know it, he's carted off. He's on a cart going away. You know, but still, I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe taking precautions, no big deal. Then at the end of the game, he's in a boot and crutches. Um, the, the update right now, all we know is it's a lower leg injury, uh, and it's it's uh, a little worrisome when he only got two more regular season games left and hopefully a bowl game. But Dylan, have we seen the last of Tyree Wilson in a Texas Tech jersey? Uh, it's possible, Coach. Uh, I, I watched the press conference before the before hopping on here and coach McGuire didn't seem too worried about it. I think he went ahead and rolled him out for next week. Um, but the fact that, you know, he's talking about just next week, uh, makes me think it's not serious. And he was just in a boot and crutches as a precaution. Maybe that's just the optimist in me talking out loud, but coach didn't seem as concerned about it as, uh, 
a lot of people thought he might be uh, on Saturday. So I'm going to have a take. Um, I think I don't want to be selfish here. I would love to see Tyree Wilson continue to play. If Tyree Wilson isn't 100% for Oklahoma, I think this should be the last we see Tyree Wilson in a Texas Tech jersey. Um, not not for, you know, any other precautions, just, just to protect him. That's, to be honest, just to protect him. You know, I, I Tyree is an incredible player. Uh, he has an NFL future ahead of him. There's no need to try to re-aggravate something unless he is, unless he is 100%. If you're already ruling him out for, maybe, who knows, maybe ruling him out for Iowa State is the precaution, and that's all the precaution that's needed. And if that's the case, that's fantastic. Like, take that precaution week off, prepare for Oklahoma, that's great. If not, and if there's a situation where he's trying to, he has to fight to get on the field for Oklahoma, protect yourself, man. Skip out on the rest of the season. Skip out on the bowl game that we will get, um, and and protect yourself because I don't I don't want to see something worse happen to to Tyree Wilson. So, um, and something worse is not going to happen to you if you go to Home Field Apparel. Homefieldapparel.com. Get all your nice and vintage Red Raider swag. It's going to have the old school double T on there. It's going to have the old school mass right on there. The old school uh, Raider red on there, right? Basketball season's here. Get your gun. It has the guns blazing with that half basketball on there. Texas Tech. My favorite shirt is a tortilla toss shirt, as y'all know. It's also getting colder. They got the crew necks going. They got the hoodies going on there. So, and if it is your first time getting an order from Home Field Apparel, Tell them, tell them the tortillas and takes sent you using our promo code takes12, that's T-A-K-E-S-1-2, to get 15% off that order. Uh, that's takes12, T-E-K-E-S-1-2, to get 15% off that first order. Hey, here's a little secret. Even if it's not your first order, do a different email, make it your first order, use that promo code. Um, so there you go. Uh, don't tell Homefield I told you that. All right, Dylan. So Texas Tech is now 5-5 five and five on the season. We have two more games to go, right, after this win against Kansas. At Iowa State, home against Oklahoma, which of those two games do you think Tech has a better chance of getting to the bowl game? I mean, as Tech fans, we want them to win both, of course. But if if a genie came down and told you we're only going to win one of them, which one do you think it is? I think both games are very winnable, actually. I think I think you could win either one of them. I, I, I think the only reason why I'm picking Oklahoma is because it's at home, right? It's in Lubbock. Um, the game against Iowa State, while Iowa State stinks, uh, Hunter Deckers is awful, the worst quarterback in the Big 12. Their their defense is very good. We haven't won in Ames in a long time. I'm only picking Oklahoma because it's in Lubbock. So this is gonna be this I think will be interesting uh, as we do a, a quick look ahead to next week. Um, in that. If you're Iowa State, Iowa State gets up for games. They because you know why? Because they've gotten up for games even when they were terrible. So um, now, I mean, they're pretty bad this year. But like I'm saying, perennially terrible. A two and ten team, they still pack out um, their stadium. And so because of that, Iowa State looks at it and says, "Man, we have a one and six record right now." But if I'm an Iowa State fan, I look at Texas Tech and say, "You know what? We could beat them. We may not be able to beat a lot of teams." We beat West Virginia last time we were at home, and we can beat them. They're four and six on the year. Their bowl hopes are still technically alive, and the only way it stays alive is with a win against Texas Tech. That stadium is going to be packed. It's going to be senior night for Iowa State too. So stadium's going to be packed. It's going to be rocking, right? Um, for me, I also was looking at Oklahoma for a little bit. It looked like maybe Oklahoma was getting something back. Right, I was thinking, you know, maybe Oklahoma is is they're starting to figure it out. Maybe they're starting to get. Oh no, never mind. No, no, that's. 
they're still also very, very bad. Um, the Oklahoma seniors are also five and five, funny enough. And hypothetically speaking, J- Dylan, what you're suggesting is a situation where, because Oklahoma has Bedlam coming this weekend, and they could win that. I mean, Gundy's son is the quarterback right now. Um, there might be a chance that Spencer Sanders comes back for that game, but if he doesn't, Gundy's son is who, a quarterback. Who Gundy's son is a quarterback. Your son then. after the worst vegetable in the world. His name is Kale. I don't know. Uh, it was just interesting thoughts. Yeah. Anyways, a... <laughs> kale is awful. It's a terrible vegetable. I've heard of. You know what's funny? I, I've I've met a few kales. I've never attributed to the vegetable. <laughs> uh, so you're saying he? Well, you're saying he plays like the vegetable tastes because Kale Gundy is not a good quarterback. Um, oh wait, Kale Gundy. That's his brother. Anyways, um, so Oklahoma will be playing. Oklahoma State, it's Bedlam next week. If G. Gundy plays next week, um, Oklahoma might win that game, but maybe they don't. Maybe Spencer Sanders comes. Oklahoma State sees that OU. They say OU sucks expletive, and they go out and beat them. And there's a scenario where Texas Tech and Oklahoma will be playing in Lubbock, and the winner goes to a bowl game. And how sweet would it be to be the team that knocks Oklahoma off and refuse and keeps them from going to a bowl this year. Oh, how lovely would it be? But I will say that I think Tech's going to win both games. And if I had to choose one, I'm not going to pull a Jeremy. If I had to choose one, I think Iowa State's very bad. I think they're very bad. Texas Tech has not won a road conference game, a road game yet this season. Um, This is it. This is the one. I think Texas Tech uh, is going to exercise some demons here. And they're going to win a road game in Joey McGuire's first year. And it has to be here. And so I think Texas Tech wins. Um, that's that's my early my early preview. We'll see after we, throughout the week. Maybe my mind changes. Maybe my mind goes away and says, you know what, Albie, I'll take it back. But as of right now, as I'm recording this Sunday night, I think Tech gets it done. Uh, anything else you want to say to the people, Dylan? I would love for um, Texas Tech to beat Oklahoma to become bowl eligible because... Early on in the coach search process, I was big on the Brent Venables train. I was like, him and Kirby, they're boys. They go back. They were college roommates. Get Brent Venables to Lubbock. And uh, he didn't do it. I was disappointed. We got some guy named Joey McGuire. And, uh, well, yeah, but he didn't do it. He didn't try hard enough. We got some guy named Joey McGuire, and hopefully Joey McGuire shuts me and uh, everyone else up when he demolishes Oklahoma's chances of bowl eligibility. You wanted Brent Venables both yes. times, all the time. Last time we were potting, we were had when we had new a new head coach and Matt Wells, and the rumor was like, oh well, you know Kirby Hokut and Brent Venables and boys. You wanted him back then. I remember Dylan back in 2019, and this podcast had a different name. You were all about Brent Venables. Then. I remember it was like his son's playing, so he doesn't want to leave. And I was like, his son can transfer. It's all good. It's <laughs> we'll all good, baby. <laughs> That ain't no problem. problem. That ain't no problem. (laughs) Uh, But now, I mean, listen, being a new coach, unless you're Sonny Dykes for whatever reason, being a new coach at a school is hard. It's not easy to just come in. And especially when Lincoln Riley had his fingerprints all over Oklahoma. Like Oklahoma fans like to act like he was nothing. And he just, oh, the talent was just there. And he was just like, no, no. Lincoln Riley had his fingerprints Oh, even the later Bob Stoops years was all Lincoln Riley's fingerprints. So he had his fingerprints all over that, and Brent Venables comes in, and it's not really trying to change a lot of things. Sorry, bruh. That team is built for the, the last guy. 
And uh, he's he's taking his long. And then also, like, I don't know why people thought that Dylan Gabriel was just going to be like he's not Jalen Hurts or or Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield. Like he's not. Don't think that any transfer that comes to Oklahoma just become a Heisman candidate. Like that's not how that works. Um, so so there's there's a lot of that in there too. But um, can't wait, can't wait. So uh, I can't wait for this weekend's game against Iowa State either. Uh, Texas Tech, one game away from being bowl eligible. They're currently five and five. Uh, opportunity to be seven and five, which would be their best record in some years now. So that'd be fantastic. So for Dylan Smythe, the producer extraordinaire, this is Albie Shore, and you have been listening to the very happy, very cheerful uh, Tortillas and Takes podcast, part of the 1012 Network and the official podcast for Rarity Sports. As always, stay wrecked, people. Sports Social Podcast Network.